Do you believe in accountable love? Hi, my name is Joy from the Accountable Love Podcast, home of the love snobs where love is a group journey. And today we're going to do a Q&A so that you guys, so our viewers could get to know us. Yeah, my name is Aziz Brown of the Accountable Love Podcast. Today we're going to have 20 questions. Home of the love snobs, love snobs, love snobs. Love snobs have surfaced. You know, the people that actually use honesty to communicate. The genuine friends that refuse to let you feel sorry for yourself. Yes, those people. You know, the friends that collect your tears every time life makes your eyes ring. The love snobs, the people that don't allow you to settle. Support your dreams, but don't support you sleeping with just anybody. You know, the friends that are so judgmental, they ask you to stay away from negative people and encourage you to surround yourself with positive people. Yes, that friend. The friends that love you even when you refuse to love yourself. You, you know, know, the, the love, love snobs. Where am I from? So I grew up in Spanish Harlem, um, which is the east side of the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Well, where am I from? I'm from Spanish Harlem. I was raised in Taft Projects. Then I moved down to um, closer to Washington Projects on 102nd, but I grew up in between 102nd and 1st. I mean, 102nd and 2nd, and 102nd and 1st. Here's a little bit about my upbringing. I was raised in, well, I was born in the late 70s, so I grew up in the 80s. Um, my favorite era is the 90s, actually. Uh, I grew up in a two-parent household, um, but and I grew up with three other siblings. So I was technically, well, I was like caught in the middle, so I was a middle child. Well, my upbringing, I was raised I was raised by a single mother. Um, I have three brothers that were raised with me. I have other siblings that my father had. We, we didn't grow up together, but you know, we did meet each other here and there. Um, when I was young, I really didn't articulate well, so I fought a lot because you know I had all that pent up anger, and I really didn't express myself too well. So, you know, I became a little bit of a fighter. So. Um. I grew up going to public school. I grew up um, in the projects. So, you know, I was the kid that was, at, well, w w was one of the many kids that were outside till the light post, till the light came on, you know, in the summertime. And um, the thing about growing up in the projects is it was a community. So we all hung out together. We all hung on the back of the building. We all played games, you know, red light, green light, um, still the bacon. And um, I grew up in a time when, you know, everyone looked out for each other. And if I was outside, another parent was looking out for me and vice versa. So that's the type of upbringing that I had. They actually put me in karate and my mother, you know, she was smart about it. She was strategic, put me in karate, you know, taught me, made sure she put me in boxing and things of that nature to teach me how to really channel my anger. But the more I didn't speak, the better I became as a fighter. I was just really, really fighting. One day, you know, I got into it real bad and I had to see a therapist. So, you know, that's what started my love on really helping people, counseling people, because I seen how it helped with just expressing yourself and learning how to become more emotionally intelligent and learn how to ask for what you want and really channeling 
your emotions. That's a part of my upbringing. I grew up in, uh, I was born in 78. So I, I don't really remember the 80s too much, but I remember the 90s. The 90s was my favorite era. Sneakers, hip hop, you know, I still believe it's the best, it was the best hip hop, the best sneakers. That's what I think, you know, we'll be known for forever. Children are still wearing our sneakers to this day. Growing up with a single mother, she, you know, she worked a lot, she was a nurse. So she did work a lot and um, she basically took care of us the best way she can, but you know, she went above and beyond. She didn't just take care of us, she's a person that supported the neighborhood, a person that if you were in an altercation with your parents or you needed somebody to talk to, she was there to support you. She was also there to let you know when you're on the wrong path, not just with me, but with the community. So she taught us what a village looks like and she taught us, you know, how to really be supportive for our friends or anybody we're in a relationship with. Growing up with, four, with three brothers in the house, you know, it wasn't even bad at all, you know. We was blessed to not have any of us in jail and any of us, you know, get killed at an early age, you know. So, you know, we, we're blessed. We're blessed on that level. My greatest fear is, is failing. I, I didn't even realize that I had a fear of failure because the funny thing about it is I put myself out there in so many different areas, but I realized that there's like a whole other area of of my of things that I never really even tapped into. Um, so I realized that even though I have a strong personality and a strong work ethic, that there are some things that I won't even entertain because I'm afraid of failing. So I think that that's something that I struggle with from time to time is just getting outside of my comfort zone and making sure that I'm not holding myself back from being the greatest version of myself. My greatest fear in life, I have several, but my greatest fear in life is not bringing anything to the world, like actually being born into this world and leaving this world worse than what I left it, you know what I mean? And, or worse than what I came in. And like, not really having an impact. And my impact, obviously, I wanna improve relationships because I do believe relationships are the key to a stronger, you know, a stronger society, a stronger world in general. If we all connect and we all have great personal relationships, then we all can link and coexist even if we're not personal. So I think that in the work field and, the, you know, violence and all that stems from not having strong connections, not having strong people that, you know, you don't have strong people that don't have value to their life or they'll add value to your life so you act out. So my greatest fear is just not really you know, seeing people flourish in their relationships and not having more quality relationships around me. So I would say that's my greatest fear. My, how was my past relationships? Well, I, um, I mean, some good and some bad. I, I, nev I didn't always make the best choices when it came to dating. Um, I had the bad habit of having a relationship with one guy and then the big thing that was the issue in that relationship I made sure that that wasn't the big issue in the next relationship, but then it was replaced with other problems that I didn't even, now I wouldn't say foresee, because you, you do see them, but you don't pay attention to because you're just focusing on that one thing. So I think that, you know, I did a, I wasn't so good at making sure that the next person that I dated was well-rounded enough or will, will compliment me 
totally. It was always that one piece, like they did one thing that the other guy didn't do and they did another thing that another guy didn't, you know? Like I was piecing together these people when I should have just kind of fell back and really waited for the whole man that I really needed. And it wasn't, you know, their fault because like, honestly, like I'm making choices too. So I think that if I fully waited on the person that would compliment me fully, that I could have saved both of us some both of us some heartache. My past relationships, I would say that I was blessed. I mean, I had my first actual girlfriend in the beginning. I had a, you know, a person when, you know, when you're young, you had that puppy love. She wasn't really my girlfriend, but we kind of dated. And, you know, obviously, like any other man, I did this whole survey where I went around from 15 to about 25 and asked every man, was they heartbroken when they was young? And they, you know, all said, yeah, it was broken. And then they promised they wasn't going to get their heart broken again. But I fell victim to that. So I didn't really, really have a girlfriend until I was about 18 because, you know, I just wanted to date. And I really didn't want to commit to anybody because of that. And when I had my first girlfriend, you know, it went smooth. It, you know, it was a young relationship. It really, you know, we we met each other's family, things of that nature, but we really didn't go too far. That was about three months. And then I wound up dating an older woman who was, I guess, 13 years older than me. So I was 18, she was 31. And, you know, she taught me the value of taking care of a woman and the value of raising children and the value of, you know, being there. So I, I learned every, uh, learned from each of my relationships. Then I met, you know, my first love. And then we got in a relationship, which is my co-host. So she's, we, we go way back, but that was around, what, 19 to 21. And then that broke up because, you know, she wasn't in the place to really settle down and commit. And I was always, you know, a little more serious. Then I moved on and I met some uh, met somebody in college, and we dated for two and a half years. And you know that was a nice relationship, but you know she wanted to live in the house and drive cars, and I really just wanted to. I didn't mind renting an apartment. I didn't mind my kids taking the train. I really didn't want a license. I lived in Manhattan, so I didn't see the point in, in really driving because the parking is horrible. So I've always been, you know, and I, I guess I've always been a person who wanted to stay amongst the people. So I never really wanted to live too far away from, you know, my community. So that's who I was at that age. And then, you know, I wind up dating my best friend now and the mother of my child. And we dated for four years. And, you know, she was a lot younger than me at the time. So, um... It really, we, we didn't meet at the right time, but, you know, she still had to work through a lot of issues. You know, she wound up breaking up with me. She wound up leaving me. So, you know, it was a little hard at first and people to this day, you know, cause I, you know, I do, I'm a strong human being. I do have a great understanding of, you know, getting past those, those, those traumatic experiences. I don't hold it on as a trauma. I guess they see it as, you know, she's the one that was heartbroken because, you know, she kind of still working through that, but, at the end of the day, that's how my relationship's been. I always had great women. I always had great relationships. I've dated a few people that, you know, I really would have wanted to commit to, but we weren't in a great space. So I learned from that, my past relationships, to really, really make sure that the person is a lifetime partner before I go in, because I don't want to break up again once I'm in a relationship. So that's how my past relationships went. 
I believe that friends should be transparent and honest, and I believe that friends are family that you actually pick. You know, we don't pick our family members, so friends are the people that we, as we get older, we realize that, you know, we all need a support. We can't do things, well, we can do things alone, but why should you? So you're creating a support system, and you're creating, and you're, you're actually picking these people so you guys are equally yoked and you guys have things in common and you guys have similar principles so that you got so that you know two people or more than you and your friends can really um, connect so I think that my take on friendship is really having at a certain age your friends become family and I think it's about making sure that you foster that that type of bond by being honest by being transparent and making sure that everyone's on the, on, on the page that everyone said that they wanted to be on. Friendship, when I think of a friendship, I think of an extension of me. So a friendship is not just somebody that I'm there when it's traumatic. A friendship is not somebody that I, you know, just call once in a while. We're spiritually connected, meaning that we are involved in each other's life. And it's not just necessarily day to day, but we are involved in each other's lives, meaning spiritually we have similar spirituality. We have similar core core foundations like honesty, trust, dedication. You know, we really build on love and what love means. And when I think of a friend, they're just the extension of, of us. So though they have their own partners and their own family, we merge our family. So I obviously wouldn't date somebody that couldn't coexist with my friends. And I would assume my friends wouldn't date somebody who couldn't coexist with me. So I believe we're bonded by the soul, so that's what a friendship is. It's an extension of all your core values. What is, my, what is my greatest accomplishment? My greatest accomplishment is make, well, initially when I first thought of that question, I thought of finances. <laughs> but really, my greatest accomplishment is becoming emotionally intelligent. I, growing up, I really didn't know how to articulate my thoughts and my feelings and I bottled everything up and I was like super aggressive. And I learned as I got older to express myself using my words and being able to articulate how I felt. And I've come such a long way. So I think that that would be my, I would say that that's my greatest accomplishment, being able to use my words and, you know, not shut down or fight or, I mean, I was a fighter growing up. So <laughs> um, it seems so weird now because that's, so beyond me even though I have moments where I do get angry but um, I do use my I, I, I hitting somebody or fighting somebody secondary my first thought is always to use my words so I'm really happy that I'm at a place where it's a belief of mine I'm able to do it I feel comfortable doing it I don't run from I don't run from conflict and I'm able to express how I feel without feeling like I'm either a infringing on other people or starting some sh some stuff that I shouldn't start so I think I've come a long way. My greatest accomplishment is creating a village, having a village in my life, meaning having that support system that I always can rely on. I always can go and um, really fall back on. Anytime I, anytime I feel I'm stumbling, I always have a foundation. And when you go out into the world knowing that you could accomplish anything because you know that you always have a foundation, you always have a place to, you know, a place to lay down your, to build your relationships and some to build your world, then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a better place. So 
I always say that my village is my greatest accomplishment because it gives me the strength and the confidence to navigate through this world. My greatest floor is not having enough patience. <laughs> I think that that's something that I definitely can work on. I'm not the most patient person. Um, I speak fast. I am moving fast. Sometimes my thoughts are moving so fast that I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm stuttering and I really can't even get what I want to say out. Um, so I think that that's something that I can definitely work on, and I do work on it. Um, but I, if I had to say, well, my greatest flaw is not having patience all the time. My greatest flaw, I would say my greatest flaw is, you know, not being able to speak as clearly all the time. Or, you know, maybe my fear of reading out loud, my fear of, um, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily see that as a flaw as much as it's just something I'm weak at. So I would say my greatest flaw is not giving people the space to kind of grow into their own into their own understanding before we actually connect as a team. I kind of, you know, meet people and I kind of really, really go hard from the gate, which you're supposed to do, but I always, I didn't always go with like minds, I always went with, you know, people who I felt needed some support or needed to get to where they were. So I always seen that um, a person that had potential versus a person that was actual. So I would say that's my greatest flaw if we had to go with the greatest. What is accountable parenting? Accountable parenting is about, first and foremost, set, not running a dictatorship. It's about making sure that your children have a voice, making sure that you are your, ch ch your child's role model. It's one thing to tell a child what they should be doing, but they should be watching what you are doing and mirroring that. And it shouldn't, you shouldn't have the mentality of do as I say, not as I do. You should be the first example of how your child should be because if they end up like you, it shouldn't be the end of the world. Accountable parenting is about educating our children making sure that they are informed and giving them the tools that they need to navigate through through life, not just to get through their teenage, toddler years, but so that they can be accountable adults. What is accountable parenting? Accountable parenting is building a bond with your, 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 your um, kids. It's allowing them to flourish and have a voice. So it's teaching them how to articulate their points. It's teaching them how to build strong relationships. It's explaining to them that you are a human being as well as they are. So it's starting the process of building love. It's starting the process of building relationship. Because I believe when, you, when they enter the world, love is not a feeling, it's a faith. And you're teaching your child how to love. So to be an accountable parent, you have to focus on how to teach them how not just to love themselves, or not to, be, not to just care about themselves, but to love their parent and build a strong relationship with their parent and build a strong relationship with the people around them. So ultimately, accountable parenting is about building them into great adults. So in doing that, you gotta instill confidence, you gotta have dedication, devotion, honesty, and trust. You have to instill that in your children so they can grow up and flourish in this world to become accountable parents themselves. Why did I decide to have relationship building sessions? Well, you know, I like I said, I grew up with other siblings and I, you know, I have other family members that we grew up thinking that, we grew up thinking that family is everything 
and blood is thicker than water and no matter what you know we are supposed to foster these relationships with the people that we basically grew up with and I thought it was really important to have relationship building sessions because what we fail to realize when we're pushing these views on each other or we believe those things we're not really fostering a relationship within those understandings right so we have family members that you can say somebody's your aunt, you can say somebody's your cousin, but you don't really even know them. So I think it's really important for us to have a relationship building session because relationship building sessions, because we want to teach people that it's not about cutting everyone off. It's about fostering the relationship that you're supposed to have and really getting to know one another. And sometimes people need that mediator. Sometimes people need that voice of reason. Sometimes people need the extra support. And I have it, we live it, we have the village, so we are each other's, Aziz and I, we support one another, so we thought that that would be a good service to share with the world so that everyone can have healthy and equal relationships. Why did I decide to have relationship building sessions? I always felt like relationships with my calling when people were going through whatever they were going through, whatever relationship issues they had, whether it's with a friend, whether it's with a family member, whether it's with a spouse, you know, they tend to reach out to me and really try to get perspective. And sometimes they brought their partners to me and they want to talk about, you know, really how could they either come cl get closer together or what's keeping them apart, things of that nature. So I used to always sit down and have discussions with whether it be a friend, whether it be a family member, whether it be, you know, a stranger that just walks up to me and wants to talk. So, I, you know, I did it so long where I, really was, you know, giving back and really talking to people. But over time, I know I noticed I can reach more people if I really dedicate all my time because then I had a nine to five and I try to assist people at work, but it's work. And I try to, you know, assist people when I had a chance. But if I actually dedicated all my time and effort into building stronger, equal, healthy relationships, I think we can flourish a lot more in this world. And I just want to dedicate my all to having relationship building sessions, so that's why I started. The Village is a group of people. <laughs> we call ourselves, the, what is The Village? We call ourselves The Village because we are a group of friends that created a family, basically. And we support one another, we, raise e we help each other raise each other's kids. Um, we invest in, I wouldn't think we, we're invested in each other, so if one person wants to go to school, we're, we're working together to make that happen. And it's not just the financial part of it, it's also the emotional support. So we're a group of friends that came together that realized that we sh although we can do this by ourselves, why should we do it by ourselves? And why shouldn't we come together and make sure that we are all fully supported? Well, as you've seen, that was, what, what is the village? As you've seen, that's my greatest accomplishment. So the village is a group of people that are maturing into togetherness. So we always focus on building self, building self, building self, but as you get to build self, you really, there's another step to take. It's actually merging self with others, playing a role in other people's lives. So a village is coming together as one unit, actually navigating through, the, through this world as one unit. So anything that anyone needs, anything anyone wants, any joy that you, that you want to provide, I think all of that comes into play when you're building a village. So we're interconnected, we are like-minded, same-hearted, and we're navigating through this world building something strong. And as we 
meet new people we attach and build stronger villages and build more people and things of that nature so it's a mentality so the village is a mentality but it's a group of people that we already have we are already present with what allows people to have equal and healthy relationships it would be I think it starts with a person believing that they belong in the relationship and being transparent and honest about that I think when you are when you are connecting with another person and they have esteem issues or they don't feel like they belong then it's hard when a person doesn't feel like they're an equal then it's really hard to have an equal healthy relationship with that person so it starts with you know connecting with a person that believes that has a strong self I wouldn't even say strong self-esteem but it has a was a good self-esteem with somebody that is confident and somebody that knows their worth so I would say that a person that knows their worth I believe that when a person knows their worth and know why they belong in a situation it's easier to have a healthy honest relationship with them but it starts with transparency and being honest what allows people to have equal and healthy relationships first off it has to be an equal understanding of respect so respect is a spiritual word so when you talk about respect it's just making sure that you don't feel victimized by your partner, making sure that you understand that y'all, you see eye to eye, y'all equal. So when y'all have disagreements or when y'all are at odds, y'all actually can look, see eye to eye and understand that no matter how the argument goes, y'all both are on the same page and at the same place in your life and you all, you all hold your own and you're trying to work towards something. So equal, having equal and healthy relationships is fairness and it's coming together to use that fairness to navigate into a greater relationship. Healthy is having discussions, not staying in your head, not closing up, not being an individual, but understanding your partner, understanding your friend, understanding that you are an extension of other people and always being mindful of that when you walk out your house or you walk into the world or you you know, interact with strangers. Everywhere you go, go you're representing other people. So make sure you keep that in mind. So that's building equal and healthy relationships. Inspiration is anything that allows you to believe that you can do something greater than yourself or it sparks some type of creati creativity within you. You know, we there's inspirational quotes, there's inspirational books, but anything that can motivate you to be your best self is inspirational. Inspiration. What is inspiration? Well, inspiration is, is anything that inspires you to do something greater than you ever thought you can accomplish. So... Inspiration is like when you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling, you know, great about going into the world, but you look in the mirror, take a deep breath, open up a book, you know, listen to something on social media, you know, turn on your Accountable Love podcast, however it works, and it actually inspires you to actually go out into the world and be the best you're going to be on a regular basis. So it's inspiration should maintain the greatness in you. So that's what I would say inspiration is. What is your My faith is a accountable love. I believe in accountable love. I believe that everyone should everyone should go for what they want and own it. And you know, when people hear accountable love, they believe that you walk the straight and narrow and you are, you know, you're not flawed or you don't um you are always on the right side of things. But if I wanted to smoke crack and I want to own that I smoke crack, then you know, I'm being, uh, uh, I'm being accountable for my actions. So it's really just being accountable for who you say you are and owning that. Faith is, is love. 
So my faith is love, and love deals with accountable love. So my faith is honesty, trust, dedication, and devotion. If you're honest, that's the way you communicate. That's the way you allow people in. You stay vulnerable if you're trusting. When you trust somebody, you only allow people around you that you can trust with your eyes closed. You can close your eyes and know that they have your back, know that they'll take care of you, knowing that they'll be there for you. When you have dedication, it's a practice. You say, I'm going to do something, and you practice. So dedication is the promise, and devotion is the action. So you wake up every day, and you actually put that dedication into practice by devoting your time and effort, understanding that I'm no longer an individual. If I have a child, I'm there. I live for this child. If I have friends, I live for these friends. If I have family that I'm really close to, I live for that those family members. So every time you wake up with the understanding that love only exists through togetherness. Uh, the worst thing that ever happened to me was my brother dying. Um, my brother died when I was 17. Um, he was 24, and that was the first time ever that I had to deal with death so close to home. Um, he was he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, and he committed suicide. So that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. The worst thing that has happened to me is, I would say the worst thing that has happened to me, mm, a lot of things have happened to me. Yeah, I'm so positive. Everything helps me become a greater human being. So the worst thing that has ever happened to me. I think the worst thing that has ever happened to me is looking my mother in the eyes when I was out in the streets, you know, hurting people and doing all the wrong things. And she that's not how she raised me. So looking her in the face and seeing disappointment in her eyes and knowing that I actually disappointed her. Now, we had arguments. I was a teen rebellious like any other team, but that moment that you realize your mom, your mother doesn't possibly even like you or possibly is very disappointed in your actions and really you disappointed her. I think that was the worst thing that's ever happened to me and I've been shot at. <laughs> I've been, you know what I mean? Like I've been hit by cars, I've been, you know, jumped, things of that nature, but the worst thing is disappointing, you know, my role model. What is my belief of men? I mean, how do I view men? How do I view men? I don't believe that all men, I don't really have, <laughs> I don't believe, so let's go with the negative. I don't believe all men are dogs. I don't believe that all men are liars or cheaters or whatever the case may be. I believe that men are, I think it's, it's an individual situation. I think that each person makes a decision to, to go left or go right. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that I have a negative or a negative view on men as far as uh, as far as the positives of men I believe that um, most men are logical <laughs> and um, they bring a certain strength to a relationship that a woman necessarily can't you know the masculinity and all that stuff but I wouldn't say that I have any views on negative views on, on, on men how do I view women I view them as equals. So in saying that, I actually go as hard as I'm gonna go because I do believe women can take anything. So I don't patronize them. I don't just open doors for the sake of opening doors. If you get to the door first, I get to the door first. 
we open the door for one another. Anything you can carry, you carry yourself. Anything I can carry for you because I, I'm stronger, I'll carry it. So when I look at a woman, I always see an equal. I always see a partner. I always see somebody I'm growing with. I always see a friend. I always see somebody that can, you know, honor the world and can actually be a partner to navigate through this world with me via partner, via friend. We just, I just see them as an equal. Why, why do relationships fail? Relationships fail because two people are not really honest about what they truly want. And I think a lot of people go in, you know, they get caught up in the fluff of it. And, you know, it's really fun when you meet somebody new and you, um, you meet somebody new and you are in that honeymoon stage. And I think that people jump into relationships and they don't necessarily get to know the person or they ignore the signs and then they fast forward into this relationship they you know now their lives are intertwined and they realize that they're not on they have kids or something big happens they realize they're not, they're not on the same page so I think relationships fail because people are not really truly honest about what they want and they go in thinking that they can change the other person and that is not always the case why do relationships fail well relationships fail first and foremost because People go into relationships not ready for relationships. They go into relationships still searching for their identity, still searching to be an individual, still searching for their own personal goals. Now, it's cool to have personal goals, but they don't enter the relationship explaining that these personal goals are going to be a part of the relationship. So a lot of people, um, a lot of relationships fail because a lot of people go into relationships with their own agendas as opposed to building something greater than themselves which is building something to become one with a whole other human being. So I think that's why relationships fail, why, and that's romantic relationships. Why friendships fail is because the same reason, but they fail because we look at friendship as something that's just light. We use the word friend very, um, very light, and we, we know we like when we use the word friend. So. I think that there's no strong dedication to a friendship. When you think of friendship, that's a, like I said, it's an extension. So it's somebody that represents you, it's somebody you represent. So you gotta start looking at them as a faith, something that you honor, because that's what relationships are, a faith. So I think relationships fail because people lose faith in the relationship. What are two of my biggest pet peeves? Chewing with your mouth open. <laughs> no, um, that's one, but and being silly, even though that is really, and disturbing, I can't deal. But when it comes to relationships, um, being passive aggressive is a pet peeve of mine. Um, and another pet peeve is a person not being able to make a decision. If, I guess that can kind of fall into the passive aggressive part, but it really annoys me when a person can't make a decision. Two of my biggest pet peeves. One, I guess Jerry said this already, but passive aggressiveness. I like direct people. I want somebody to just say what they have to say to me. Right, wrong, and different. I'm not going to say we're not going to have an argument or a debate about it. But I'd rather them say exactly what they mean, mean what they say, and then us have the dialogue as opposed to them pacifying me, as opposed to them not trying to, you know, get an altercation or conflict. I think it's important to have conflict because obviously it's important to have conflict when it's actually building towards a positive. So. If it's progressive, meaning I have an idea, you have an idea, them ideas don't go together, we gotta find common ground. It's okay to have conflict. And being passive, aggressive, you're patronizing me. So nobody wants to be patronized. I think another pet peeve is 
um, signing on for a role in somebody's life and forfeiting that role. So not not really being dedicated to the role you signed on for. So I think it's very important to understand who you sign on with and strengths and weaknesses and honor that person's strengths, not steal from that person's strengths because you feel weak. So I would say insecurity. Insecurity be a pet peeve of mine. I have a problem with insecure people. My ideal, what would be my ideal partner? My ideal partner would be a man that believes in transparency, believes that conflict is not the end of the world. You know, I meet a lot of guys who think that arguing is like the worst thing ever. But when we're both arguing, that means that we're fighting to stay in the relationship. And I think that a lot of guys, or just people in general, don't really get that. So I would want a guy who doesn't run from conflict. I, an, uh, an ideal man for me would be a guy who can make a decision but understand that we're both in this together so he would take the time to understand my strengths, I would take the time to understand his strengths, and um, who believes in honesty and who believes in who also has a village mentality. I think, you know, a lot. it sounds good to a lot of people but not so many people want to partake in it because it's not always the easiest to juggle four different people, right? But I think that I w my ideal partner would be a guy who would believe in the village mentality, believe in transparency, believe in honesty, believe that communication is key, even though we may not always want to talk about something, but would always take the time to have the conversation and be honest at all costs. My ideal partner. My ideal partner would believe in love believe in accountable love, and be devoted and dedicated to that belief above all, even above me. So meaning when I'm, when she feels I'm not, you know, at my best, or she feels like I'm not actually honoring being accountable in love, she challenges me to be the greatest I can be every day. So I don't have a problem with being challenged, I have a problem with being undermined. So my greatest partner would be a person who will make sure we maintain the faith together as we navigate through this world. How do I define purpose? You know, that's one of the things that I kind of struggled with um, because I'm good at a lot of things. And I know that sounds kind of cocky, but I am. So purpose is really something that you, purpose is something that you were born to do, something that comes effortlessly, something that you enjoy, and something that you're really good at, and I think, and something that you can give back to the world. And I think that because I've been working for so long um, and I've been, um, I perfected a lot of areas of my life that it was kind of hard for me to narrow down what my purpose was. And when you're working, I know for myself and I, I'm sure some of the viewers, some of you guys could probably feel the same way when you're working for so long and you're kind of like on autopilot, you don't really kind of think about what your purpose is, what your purpose is, what you're here for and why you're here. And I think that, you know, purpose is really, we're all here for a reason and it's really finding out what that reason is. Like, what are you supposed to give back to the world? Define purpose. I define purpose as something that bleeds in you, meaning that bleeds in you and pours out of you. So it's something that allows your blood to stay warm. It's something that you're passionate about. It's something that you can't deny doing. No matter what you do, if you see somebody in pain, you have no choice but to help them. You see somebody struggling, you have no point, point but to help them. So like I believe my purpose is accountable and love. My purpose is 
preaching love. My purpose is teaching love. So no matter what, when I see somebody not being loved correctly or when I see somebody with the misunderstanding of what love is, I feel the need to teach them. So I believe purpose is something, it's God's way of working through you to actually improve the world. What does accountable love mean to me? Accountable love means that it means that you basically, you take responsibility for who you are and who you want to be and whatever, like I said previously, like it doesn't matter on what side of the fence that you fall, that you, you're on, you take responsibility for that. So you're, you're honest about where you want to go, you're honest about what you're feeling, and you take responsibility for those things and not put it on anybody else. So that's what accountable love, and when you put love together, it's really when you're fostering relationships with people and you're connecting with other people, you're taking full responsibility for the role that you play in everything that happens. Accountable love means, like as I said, it means standing up. It's mean, it means saying I'm gonna show up, the promise, and showing up every day, daily. It's not justifying you know, it's not justifying weaknesses. It's always focusing on strengths. It's living through your strengths. It's actually being honorable and having a great understanding of who you are and saying what you mean, mean what you say. So it's words, meaning actions. So no matter what you have a clear understanding of who you are, have a clear understanding of what you want, have a clear understanding of what you're going to stand for, what you're not going to stand for, have a clear understanding. It's about being transparent, having a strong sense of self, having a strong understanding of who you are, and actually merging with other people with that understanding, and only merging with people who are going to enhance who you are as a person, not bring down who you are. So that's what accountable love is. And, and those, those are my, are my 20, 20 questions. questions.